Hey, welcome to the podcast. Adam Bush here alongside my pal Gary Hornstein. No Christopher Munch today. Where is Chris? Uh, he said he was going to be here. He did say he was going to be here. Oh. <laughs> um, oh, we're recording. know how hard it is to nail that guy down. Oh, he's just gotten so big. And uh, he, with the things he asked for to be on this podcast, I think are ridiculous. So we were just like, you know what? You're not invited to one. We'll see how that feels. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, see how the viewership goes without him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, we're recording this. Uh, it's towards the end of the summer. And uh, we're, we're all back in town, but we're also... Every everyone has got a lot going on. Uh, you probably can't hear it. I have a crying ten week old in the other room, and uh, Gary and Chris are headed to the mountain on yep. Thursday of this week. And uh, for Chris, that means if you know if you know anything about Chris, you know that when he's got a lot on his plate, it's a bit overwhelming. <laughs> he's- He's thinking about what he should do. He's thinking about what he should do. And uh, <laughs> he's probably getting some last minute training in. Yeah. Um, and really, I think we're all just trying to stay inside because it's right now it's 99 degrees outside, outside. here in Tulsa. Yeah, it's so hot. The worst is when I have to pick up my daughter from school. And I'm buckling her in the car seat. And she's like, no, dad, I got it. And I have to stand there in the heat waiting for her to buckle herself in uh, so slowly. And it inevitably ends in, dad, can you help me? It's like, I am so hot right now. Well, at least you don't sweat. That's true. It's fun or is fact- this hot enough to make you sweat? Mm, no, I don't think anything's hot enough to make me sweat. I don't sweat if in case anybody is. When I'd like to know more about my body. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I don't sweat. I don't. It doesn't matter how hot I get. No sweat. Adam does I think not. I've sweat. seen you sweat. May- when? I, I think it's happened. You've at least gotten balmy. <laughs> <laughs> so is this like you don't ever need make? Do you get oily? You don't get oily? I don't, man. No, I don't. I don't. I don't know what. I don't. I've always been like this. I mean, it, maybe it's from the chemotherapy, but and which would make sense. I mean, I had that it when I was sealed four. all of your pores. I did. That's a byproduct of the chemo. Um, yeah, it's so pretty. Even in like Louisiana, Mm-mm. you don't sweat because the humidity has got to be really oh, bad. Oh, it's insane. It's just the worst. I was talking to my friend who lives in Houston uh, a few minutes ago. I was like, how's it going? And she just goes, hot. It's hot. It's very hot. <laughs> That's it. It's just, yeah. So, yeah. And I, if you don't know, I grew up in Louisiana and it, the humidity is even worse than Oklahoma. And no, no sweating. Like, well, I would play, I played baseball as a kid and like, we'd just be out there and I'd just be not wet, but very hot. <laughs> if you were my kid and you told me you'd been outside playing basketball or something, but you were just bone dry. <laughs> I, I have a really hard time believe, <laughs> believing you. Yeah. You, you'd just be like, mm, all right. Well, you, you, whose house were you at? All right. You're grounded for lying. Uh, so anyway, so all that to say, 
there's a lot going on. And when we were scheduling this week's pod, Chris was like, oh, guys, I don't know. I don't know where I can make time. And I was like, you know what? We don't need you to make time, Christopher, because Gary's got a lot to talk about because he just got back from Lebanon. Yes, I've got at least seven to eight minutes uh, <laughs> have you been to working, share. Have you been working on your Lebanon material for Open Mic? I'm not a comedian. Uh, but you can guess, you could be known as the Lebanon, the Lebanon comic. It's not I that He's not Lebanon. He just he has a lot of material about Lebanon. Oh, okay, just to, that's funny about the Lebanese people. I don't know. I've never been, man. That's for you to decide. You have to write that. All right. You have to write what you know, man. And you know Lebanon. <laughs> I do know a little bit more <laughs> than I did. You did, yeah. About so, Lebanon. Yeah, so if you're just joining the podcast, Whiskey for the Biscuit is about a couple of guys, myself and my friend Chris, who quit our jobs, our our uh, 20 plus year careers, and uh, took a step out to pursue comedy. Chris is an actor and a comedian. I'm a stand up comedian and a writer. And our best pal Gary joined the joined the crew as a producer, and then uh, he snaked his way onto the podcast. And we yep. just we just wanted some camera help, but look, he's on it now. Where would you guys be without if you guys were trying to film this yourself this whole time? Oh, <laughs> it wouldn't have happened. We would Audio have would have been terrible. It would have been terrible. I mean, if you if you go back and listen to the, I did two episodes by myself where I interviewed Mason Thatcher, the club owner, and it looks like trash. It sounds okay, but it looks terrible. <laughs> it's all my gear but i don't know how to use it it's all the same stuff it's all the same stuff used otherwise but a different mind well yeah so uh, be here. every week every week we uh we talk about where we are in our uh plight of comedy and um uh it just so happens that with chris gone we have a lot to talk about because gary went to Beirut. So we're going to talk about that here in a minute. Before we get to that, let's uh, shout out to our sponsors. Uh, Risk It for the Biscuit podcast is brought to you by Looney Bin Comedy Club in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You can check out the awesome lineup uh, at looneybincomedy.com. Uh, I got off, just got off the phone with the uh, new owner just a minute ago. He was telling me some of the comics that are coming, not nailed down yet, but they are great. And uh, if you want to come check it out, especially if you want a discounted price, if you call uh, the club on Wednesday night and you work in the service industry or your first responder, then you can uh, get a discounted or free ticket. And if you are a lady, call on Thursday nights, ladies night, call ahead, reserve a ticket, get a free or discounted ticket. And uh, that'll be awesome. Uh, you can come and laugh along with us. And then, of course, we are also brought by brought to you by Northern Creative, which is Gary's company, uh, product, video production, graphic design, animation. You can check out that work at northern.work. With that said, uh, Gary, uh, went, why did you go to Lebanon? Um, man, about six weeks ago, a friend called and asked me if I wanted to um, go document a a medical missions trip with his church. Which is and, common work that we've done because all three of yep. us work the same church for a long time in the video production department. So we've done some of this. And 
he, I said, sure, where? And he said, to Beirut, Lebanon. And I asked if that was safe because <laughs> <laughs> it's the Middle East and I'm a Christian. Um, and he said it was. And I can verify it. It's very safe. Oh, yeah. My first question would be, where is Lebanon? And I think that's what I asked Lebanon. you. Yeah, it's it's just north of Israel. Okay, so where's Israel? It's in the Middle East. I mean, it's like eight-hour time difference, eight hours ahead. So, um, so uh, like it's it's like far from Israel, or like like it, I don't think it, it's it's just north. Um, it borders the Mediterranean Sea to its east and to the west is Syria. Let me look at a map because uh, one thing they told me is if I had an Israel pa uh, stamp in my passport that that would could cause some problems uh, <coughs> for, did they, did for they me. Tell you, did they tell you why? Uh, because they hate each other. Oh, Lebanon and Israel hate each other. Le yeah, Lebanon and yeah, I mean, it's kind of like they all have had conflict um, with each other. Yeah, so um, sorry, I'm looking at my map. They've they're they're. I learned a lot about just like the history. There's a lot like Syria and Lebanon had been at war before, um, so there's a lot of like Lebanese and Syrians don't necessarily like each other um there's just a lot of like history it's a it's very complicated <laughs> type stuff uh so all right yeah uh this map is way too detailed i can't tell what i'm looking at uh lebanon is yeah it's literally um, it borders to the to the south of Lebanon is Israel, and then oh, like it, Jordan, like they're bordering. Yeah, yeah. If, if I'm looking at my map right, I'm sure that there are people who are more knowledgeable about events happening in the Middle East. Who are like, guys, pay attention to something. Read a, read a book. <laughs> Yeah, or look at a map. Or or watch yeah. the news or something. Do some world history. Stop, stop doing just your little comedy bits. And pay attention to what's happening. Yeah, so I mean, it's like, it's the Middle East over here. Um, it's like, maybe you'd say it's the Near East. Would you? I've never I don't heard know enough about that stuff. You've never heard somebody say the Near East? No. Well, it's like not not the far... East, like China. Yeah, anybody ever say close east? It's the close no. east. No, I don't think so. That'd be America. America's the close east. Uh, and then Israel, well, it was pretty far. So it's so far. It's so, far east. so uh, yeah, Beirut. I, I feel like there's a band called Beirut. Mm, sounds right. Um, I didn't know anything about Beirut or Lebanon. Um, it's the, the, the Phoenicians, you know, they're from that, the, that part of town. So it's, you know, the, the alphabet kind of 
started them. I'm looking up Beirut to see if it's a band. Yes, it is. Um, yeah. So I decided to go. Yeah. So he's like, will you go document this medical missions trip? And, uh, so what you just, you just filmed it. Did you even have to edit it? So, um, no, I just filmed it. I, I traveled all by myself. (laughs) Didn't invite anyone. Uh, Thank you. Appreciate that. Didn't invite anybody. Um, so I actually filmed two different teams. There was a medical team and then there was a young adults team and I overlapped their trips. So I showed up a couple days late on the medical team and then left a few days early from the young adult trip. So I was traveled there by myself, a backpack and a carry on with my camera stuff, a backpack and a carry on. Did you have any, okay. Traveling. Did you have any issues? Like any, like one time, one time, uh, uh, me and our friend Tori, we were doing this and he had a drone in his bag and they found it and they were, were with this, we were going to Africa and they did not like that. And I think Tori had to kind of lie his way out of it. Like basically that, I don't know what he said, but basically that wasn't a camera. I think no, it was, it's not a drone. That's yeah, weird. Yeah. yeah. I think that's basically what he did. I think he had taken it all apart. So it was convincing enough, but did you have any weird situations like that? No, I, I prepared, um, I did my research on drone laws in Beirut and all the stuff I read was like, this seems really intense, like getting a permit to just have it. And all the forums I read, people were like, I went through the proper process of doing it, of getting the paperwork. And they told me I couldn't bring this specific drone in. I was like, that's the drone I have. So I opted to leave the drone um, because I would be going through customs and I thought yeah. if I just had it there, I could get away with it. But, um, but getting it through customs, I thought might be a problem. So I didn't have any problems traveling. Um, going through customs was, um, <laughs> I was so easy. I just was like, um, I'm from America and they're just like, okay right through it. I, that was it. It was so fast. Oh, crazy. I was like, am I in the wrong spot? So I, I was able to get in and, uh, pick me up at the airport. The, uh, one of the wait. So yeah, I had a ride from the airport with the team, with somebody from the team and the, the organization that we were working with there and driving there is insane. Mm. Like, they have they have roads and lines like normal and they drive on the right side of the road like we do here but they don't obey any of those things like right. they <laughs> it looks like they're inches away at all times from hitting another car and they just are are aggressive like i got to make a left turn so i'm just going to go yeah at uh, the smallest hole i see well, uh, i kind of i kind of liked it wasn't it like that when we went to India? It was similar, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Except India, there was like cows and goats and stuff also roaming yeah. the streets. And also, I don't remember there being a lot of asphalt. I remember there being a lot of dirt. Yeah, there was. There were normal roads. Because um, okay. we were in the city. I mean, Beirut's a huge city. Um, 
So just a lot of traffic and smog. It was like really heavy smog. Like just like fog all the time? Yeah, kind of like L.A. Mm. when you go, oh, it's really foggy, and someone tells you that's not fog. Ooh, that sucks. Solution. So it was like that, and I don't know if it's always like that or if it was just no wind and that kind of stuff, but um, very humid there. Oh, really? Like a lot more humid than here, but not as not as hot as it is right now. I mean, it was it was like in the low nineties or like thirty six Celsius. Mm. So, so, that was it fun. Was, so it was hot. Yeah, it was pretty hot. And and in Beirut, but we also went up into the the valley, Bukal Valley, which is like four thousand feet elevation gain. So it was like really dry, kind of like Colorado, um, and that was nice. Didn't sweat. That's nice. Yeah. Um, little. <laughs> oh man, I'm not even surprised. You, how high was it? How high? Did you like four thousand feet. But that was that. What was it? What was it? You were saying it was. It was like a, a mountain. Oh, so yeah, it, and it's in the same sense as, as if you're in LA and there's the the mountains there that are real dry and not pretty like Colorado mountains, but th- that's kind of how it looked. Um, so you drive up over those and then you're in this huge valley where there's like all, it's like farming and there's a lot of, um, you know, fruits and vegetables and that kind of stuff farming in the valley. Did you guys go up there because you asked to go to a high point? What's the highest city? No, there is there. So I didn't, but I was happy to get a good view (laughs) of of all that. We had to drive like it. The traffic was, was crazy. And the getting up these, like every, every vehicle I was in, they would always shut their air conditioning off to get up. Oh, up over the mountains just because they're like, it'll over my car will overheat if I keep the air on. Yeah. So, uh, uh, I I have a joke with Gary that the listeners that every time we go somewhere, Gary wants to go to the highest point he can find. And like we've been to Hawaii and we hiked up a big, stupid hill mountain thing. And he's made me go camping in a mountain. And then one time I was like, we were in New York and I was like, yes, there are no mountains here. But then you found that thing called Highline Park, which is like a park built on a old railroad, but it's like high. And I was like, dang it, you tricked me into going to a high spot again. Yeah, it was the closest thing to a hike. (laughs) You just always want to be up high. Well, yeah, I mean, top of the rock. Yeah, that's true. That was, you know, I mean, an elevator, but <laughs> it was still high. So, did you uh, did you have any scary moments in uh, in Beirut? Were you you were only in Beirut? We were in Beirut, and then in B- the Bacaw Valley, which and then which I don't think it's necessarily like the town is called Bacaw. They they're it's kind of it's just a a little different than I'm than I understand how to explain it, but um so there was like three locations we were at, and there's another place called um Baalbek, which is um there was there's like these temples, like these old, like they're like over five thousand years old. Um, like this temple of Jupiter and then another temple 
which we went and had a tour. Like we had a tour guide with us that was just explaining all the stuff. And it is insane. You consider how small we are in the scope of history. We're like, America's like 200 years old. And this, this temple is like 5,000 years old. Yeah. And considering how they even built the things back then with these like just insanely heavy rocks and carving them. And you're like, where do they get these rocks from? Like, I don't, it, it was just, it's pretty insane. What are they used like, for now? Just for touristy things? Like just for going yeah. It's just like a, a historical site. Oh, okay. So it's, yeah, nobody's there worshiping anything okay. that I saw. Yeah. <laughs> but it's super cool to go and see that stuff. Um, and kind of just have a gained a little perspective. Who were the, who were the people that you were um, like, what were they doing? The people you were filming? You said, it was okay. So um, in Beirut, we had, um, we partnered with this church called um, Christian Evangelical Baptist Church. <laughs> and I mean, it's like the, the, the one, like less than 1% of people in, Lebanon are evangelical Christians. Okay. But like 30% would identify as like Christians, like, like they're not like practicing Christians, but they're Christian, like in the same way that you could be Jewish and not necessarily oh, yeah. practicing okay. Jew. So they identify that way, which is, um, kind of foreign to us of yeah, saying I've, I'm Christian, but I'm not like a Christ follower per se. Yeah, but I don't think it's foreign to everyone. I think like a lot of people are like, I'm Catholic, but they don't, they're not devout or anything. Yeah, but if they were born into it, like a, like you have Jewish heritage or you have Christian okay. heritage that way. So um, we partnered with them and they, um, so at the church we had uh, an eye clinic. There, So there was two, um, two gals from a, uh, optometry office that they brought over like a ton of glasses that were donated and they oh, would, crazy. yeah, they just had bags over these two tables, just of different prescriptions and different styles of glasses. So they would, they had this little, this little gun kind of a thing. They would just hold up and it flashes all these lights at you and it tells you your prescription. Whoa. So they would just go have kids and, adults sit down and just do that and then try to give them a couple different pair and see how they fit. So that was one thing they did. Another These glasses, they made, they're not, they're not like making lenses for them. They're just like, this is pretty close. Yeah. This is better. Oh Yeah. Wow. So there'd be kids that hadn't, you're like, how did you, how did you make it here with like your mom's over at, you know, down the street at the dentist's yeah. office? Um, and, and they hadn't really ever been to been able to see. Yeah. So, um, so that was pretty cool seeing like kids and even, um, elderly people just be so thankful that well, like, Oh, I can see. Was, were the glasses funny though? Like did sometimes no, like, they, a, they, a, <laughs> a boy gets like really feminine glasses. No, they, they were, um, very aware of that. Um, oh, they were. Yeah, I mean, they 
they either wouldn't take them. They're like, oh, I don't, I don't, do you have an, any other option? Yeah. And, uh, but most of the time there weren't any like hot pink glasses okay. even being handed out to girls. But, okay. But they had plenty of different styles that, um, they, they were fine. So no, no comedy jokes. <laughs> yeah. There. And then they had, um, there was a couple other, uh, people that were one, one of the guys was going to, uh, he's going to medical school right now and his wife's a teacher and they both came. So he was helping like in the triage, like just, uh, and another girl. So they would basically help them. It's just like a general doctor visit. Um, they take their blood pressure, do vitals and stuff, and then send them to a doctor that was a volunteer doctor, a couple from a, um, around the area Mm -hmm. that, that were connected to this church. Um, and they would just be able to get them prescription drugs, um, for free and even just vitamin stuff. There's a ton of malnutrition, Mm -hmm. uh, and dehyd- a lot of people, when we were up in the valley, it was like almost everybody was just like, I get dizzy when I stand up because they're dehydrated. Crazy. Cause they, so there's no tap water there. Their tap water is, there is tap water, but it gets filled up a, a huge uh, jug on the top of their apartments get, gets filled up all the time and you can't drink it they'll get sick. They'll get sick if they drink it. So it's just always bottled water or boiling your water. Wait, so what, hold on. They, what is the deal with the jug? Every house has a jug on top of there. So they're in Beirut. There's not houses. They're all apartments. It's like New York city. Okay. So on every apartment building, you'll see like these gigantic, um, water containers. Okay. And, and there's trucks that are driving around filling those water containers. Like, okay. There's a, a street level connection and they'll fill the thing up. And it's, it most of the time is not good drinking water. So they'll get why sick. Even, okay. So okay, I was about to say why even have it, but it would be for taking a shower. Showers. And yeah, I mean, we were like, keep your mouth closed when you're shower, showering. Uh and but they could boil the water and it would be. Yeah, they, they could do that, I think. But okay. I mean, they'll have the office container type, you know, big jug, five gallon jug in their something. kitchens oh, okay. for water, for clean water. And then brownouts, all like there's always scheduled like electricity goes off and they have generators, like generator subscriptions. Um, Oh. And part of all this is just the government's like insanely corrupted economy. They're crashed like three, three years ago. And did you ever hear about that giant explosion in Beirut? I don't think. It's I mean, like I don't. The largest explosions in the history of the world. Um, they've said, look it up. It's pretty insane. What, what exploded? Uh, it was like this huge, I think like a wheat silo, like a, a large wheat silo at the port in Beirut. And it was like, um, nobody claimed, claimed it. So it wasn't like, um, officially like a terrorist attack or anything like that. But 
Um, it, it was like a bombing. Yeah, it was like the Oklahoma City bombing, like okay. fertilizer, um, like an insane amount of fertilizer that exploded. Um, and that port is still like there's still like a giant cargo ship just tipped over. <laughs> over. So like crazy. part of that port's not even functional. But it used to be like suit. Like there's all sorts of fancy stores like Prada and Gucci and all that. Like right at the the um that area. That's yeah. like real real well. Like there's there's it doesn't seem like there's a middle class. It's like there's I saw Ferraris and Land Rover Defenders and Range Rovers, and then uh, so there's like very wealthy people and then poor people um, like by, by American standards. Yeah. So um, yeah, pretty crazy. So all week um, they jet, the medical team did optometry and anything else. Yeah. They had uh, two <clears throat> dentists. I think the dentists were local oh. that um, <clears throat> they rented out two little, uh, a dentist's office in this medical kind of building. That's just like a two minute walk from where they were. So people would go and get their teeth cleaned and taken care of. Um, yeah. Getting prescriptions and medical vitamins and stuff, real basic kind of stuff, but I'm um, like pregnancy tests and. Oh, wow. Um, I do so remember yeah. we have a, you know, I have a friend, uh, Brittany Stokes, who has a, a medical facility in Uganda and uh, she was showing me some of the medicine that they stock. And it's like, she's like, this is a dollar. This costs us a dollar. And the, and if people don't get it, then they die. And we give it to them for free, but they just can't get it because they don't have a dollar. And they're just like, this sucks. And so people would walk all day to the, to the place to get like a week's supply of that, that sort of medicine. Yeah. There's a lot of people that they, they just, they won't go to a doctor because they know they can't get what they need anyways. They're like, well, if you tell me to get this drug, I can't buy it. I can't afford it. Anyway, so I'm not even going to go to the doctor. Yeah. But, um, Asbury church is, which is who sent me over there. They, they bought as much stuff as they could and they yeah. buy it from the pharmacies that are there and, yeah. and bring in as much supplies as they can. Mm -hmm. Um, just meta, just like aspirin and Tylenol and vitamin C and D and, and, and other just pretty, pretty basic kind of like things that are easy to get here that some things are, um, you have to get a prescription in, in Lebanon to have that you don't need a, a prescription here to get. You remember an so, example? No, I can't remember. I mean, I could show you a video of, <laughs> of all, of some of that stuff, but. Yeah. Um, it just seemed all like pretty simple stuff that they're not going to not crazy, like, um, Oxycontin or something that they're going to, people are going to get, yeah. uh, right, sick right, or, right. or die from, but yeah, just some basic stuff that, um, so. All right. Well, we have a few minutes left. What is your big takeaway from the trip? Um, my big takeaway, let's see, I, I gained, you know, I've been to India before and it was very similar just mm -hmm. going to Calcutta and, 
and Siliguri. Yeah, Siliguri. Which, yeah, Cal- that- which is kind of similar, like Calcutta being like Beirut and Bacal Valley being like Siliguri. So it's like country and city. Like Calcutta is like a pretty big red light district and it's so yeah, the difference of Calcutta was just head, like darkness, like spiritual darkness. Like it was just, I just remember it being so heavy and just like mm-hmm. you, you don't, you, you're not, you, you can't be happy almost is what it's just like, all oh, this seems so oppressive, just like mm-hmm. something about it. Um, and a lot of homelessness and that, and, and the, the, the red light district stuff. So Beirut wasn't like that, mm-hmm. but you just see the way that um, people live. There were a lot of Syrian refugees living in tents. There are a lot of people that just live in tents because they just live in a tent and it's like, not like a camping tent, mm-hmm. um, but like, you know, a canvas top, more like a yurt type stuff that just seems insane for us to think of living like that, which yeah, not some of them are just doing it because that's just how they, all they know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just being thankful for what we do have, but, um, I mean, just putting in perspective of going, the things we complain about are pretty silly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. and not that, not that everyone in Lebanon's like all sad and like, I didn't get that. I mean, they all, the, the people that we were working with were so kind mm-hmm. um, and so fun to hang out with and so generous, like with their time and their resources, the things that they do um, with what we perceive as so little. Um, it puts it in perspective that way, but then also seeing those temples going, how small we are in the, in scope of history. Yeah. Um, not to say that we don't matter, but we're, <laughs> we're maybe not as big of a deal as we think we are just yeah. as a civilization or something. Um, so it was fun. I hope to go on more, uh, more trips. And I even thought what a fun way to take a vacation of, if, of I'd like to take, my wife or one of my kids next time I go on one of these. Cause one, you get to um, create some relationships with people and learn about their culture. That's yeah. a lot of fun <laughs> versus if I was just vacation, going there, going somewhere, I don't, you know, I'm just having a, an Uber driver <laughs> or right. whatever. So it was fun to meet people and ask a lot of questions and, um, and do that. So I hope to kind of like take a, a vacation slash missions trip would be a lot of fun yeah. just to, to go, we're here and we're making an impact yep. and we're having, having fun at the same time. Yeah. So next so, time we go to Hawaii, then, <laughs> And we make it into a missions trip. And really, that's what this is all about. How can we turn Hawaii into the mission field? Yes. I mean, there, you know, we can Another, figure it out. Yeah, we can figure it out. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, what a special episode. <laughs> to get Chris out of here and get down to what really matters, serving. 
It sounds yeah. like I'm making it, but I'm not really. I'm not trying to make a joke. Uh, that's awesome. All right, I think we'll call. What do you What do you say? We'll call this episode. Gary goes to Lebanon. Yep. Gary does Lebanon. <laughs> okay, listen. There are children that listen to this podcast, and they don't get that reference. There's got to be a. There's got to be something. Some. Some other future. I don't know. You could even just say the Gary goes to the Middle East. So I'm just going to, not necessarily for the recording, but one of the guys I met, his name is Rohan. And the guy's story is insane. Like he's like 23 or something. And he, we hung out with him after dinner one night, just on the rooftop of our hotel. And he was telling me a story about, his childhood that was just, it'd be, I mean, it's a bad, bad childhood by our standards mm-hmm. or by their, by their standards mm-hmm. of just an abusive father and just an unhealthy parenting, mm-hmm. like parents relationship was real unhealthy. And, uh, he was showing me like scars on him, like from yeah, his dad. And, and, uh, he told me a story about, they were, they were um, in, maybe they were in, he's, he was born in Syria and like, he's Kurdish, which you're just like, I'm, I don't even know what you're talking about, but Kurdish part of Syria, I don't know, but they were in Lebanon and they were trying to get back to Syria and they had closed the borders. So like they were stuck in between Syria and Lebanon and there are soldiers on either side of them and they're having to sleep at night just like, and it's freezing. I don't know that it was winter, but it was, it was really cold, um, at that elevation and him just, and he was probably 16 or 17 at the time. And he just, <clears throat> he was able to sneak out of there, like left his parents and, oh, man. and all that. Cause they were just, he was starving and, um, uh, I, it was stuff like I was just <laughs> like, it was, I was kind of skeptical just being like, this is not real. Like this is yeah. so like exaggerated or whatever. Yeah. Um, but you're just like, if, if even half of what you're telling me Rohan is true, yeah, I'm sorry, man. That sucks. Is, and he's, he's, he's stuck in Lebanon because uh, he left Syria and he can't get a passport. His visa expired like years ago. And so he's just like, I'm here. I can't do anything uh, Is he? about this. Um, so, but he was a cool dude. He was fun to hang out with. Good night. He ordered well, us great well, foods. What is food was the, the food was always a, a blast. It was, it was so good. Fun. Yeah. I mean, it's like hummus and we didn't have tabbouleh because we didn't eat any lettuce because they would wash it in the water and we'd get sick. Um, uh, but like these, the, the stuff, the kebabs and sandwiches there are wraps <laughs> like a shawarma 
They just, they're like sandwiches and you go in grocery stores and the, the sandwich bread is just like close to a tortilla. <laughs> You're just like, what, what, I guess we're doing this wrong because they've been doing this longer than we have. Uh, yeah. That's interesting. And yeah, if you're listening to this and you know where this American sandwich came from, where it originated, tell us. Yeah. Um, dude, I did have this. One of the hotels we were staying at, there'd be this this old lady, this grandma, whatever's the nicest way to say that, I don't know. She'd be out next to this um, stove. It was like a, it was just like this dome, a metal dome that was probably like, two and a half feet like in diameter Mm -hmm. and it was really hot. She would put dough on it and make like these flatbread, like tortilla type sandwich bread. Yeah. (laughs) And then she would put like some mozzarella and, and thyme Mm -hmm. and oil on it and then fold it in half like a quesadilla. Dude, it was so good. That does sound good. I keep, I I've thought about it several times. (laughs) (laughs) Since I'm telling Ginger, I'm like, Ginger, we got to figure this thing out. We could probably cook it in the pizza oven or something because it was start our, own, start our own business. It was so good. Um, yeah, I enjoyed the food. Did I? T- I told you about that the Arak. It's a, the the they're kind of like staple alcohol drink. Mm-mm. It'd be, um kind of like whiskey for us like that's like the staple like yeah drink or something but they would they would it's called Arak and they typically like sunday after afternoons like family lunch like this is the drink they use they have with their lunches yeah um so it's like you would order Arak and it and they brought it out in like a little shot glass and they put some of it in a bigger glass and then pour water in it. It's clear, but when the water hits it, it turns like this, this like smoky white. And then you throw a couple ice cubes in and you drink it. It tastes like black licorice. Whoa, weird. Yeah, <laughs> it was so weird. Um, was it strong? But, no, oh. it wasn't. It wasn't too strong. Yeah. Um, but it was just like, Oh, this is it's fun to experience. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else I haven't even shared with you. Well, I think we should, because I got to go. I got to go make cinnamon rolls with my daughter. Oh. Uh, so we'll do a part two, but we'll do it with Chris, because I, I think there's a lot of questions that Chris would have, too, about it. Um, All right. But we might also have other have to have different conversation, because after this recording, you and Chris are going to hike a mountain in Colorado and you will probably come back with stories about that. Yeah, me, Chris, and six other dudes are going to to summit um, Harvard and Columbia peaks. They're both 14,000-foot peaks. Ivy League peaks. So it is part of the collegiate peak range. Oh. So it'll All be right. good. It'll be fun. Uh, so, hey. Uh, stay tuned. Yeah. That's coming up. Hopefully we make it back. (laughs) Like, did these guys ever talk about comedy? No, no. We talk about the middle East and Colorado. Yeah. All right. Adventures.
If you uh, have any questions or can te- teach us about sandwiches, uh, email us at riskitpod at gmail.com. Also, you can follow us at northern.work, that's Gary's company, on Instagram. Or you can follow myself at Hey Adam Bush, Chris Munch, it's Chris Munch Comedy. And hey, got a couple of big shows coming up here pretty soon on August 26th. I'm opening for the hilarious, the clean comedian Dustin Nickerson at Bricktown Comedy Club in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You can get tickets at DustinNickerson.com. And then uh, come September, I think, I'll, I'm going to check, double check the date. I believe it's on September 24th. Chris Munch is headlining Looney Bin Comedy Club in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm opening for him. And uh, Gary will be there, I'm sure. And we are, uh, it's Chris's first time to headline at a club. Also, uh, he's going to be doing his character, so you don't want to miss it. You can get those tickets at looneybincomedy.com. And that's all we have to say for now. Gare, anything else? Hey, who did I tell you we needed to shout out? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Felicia Jewell. Felicia Jewell. She, oh, well, you. we got to reset this up so it's not like, who, who could we shout out? And Gary's got a special shout out today. Gary. I would like to shout out Felicia Jewell. Felicia, what's up? Apparently a, a consistent listener to the pod. Yep. And you met her on uh, shooting something. I was shooting, uh, documenting some uh, uh, love day, some, uh, some local outreaches that we do at our church. And I met, Felicia Jewell, she came up to me and she goes, are you the Gary Hornstein? I was like, it depends what that means. Yep. <laughs> I, my dad is also Gary Hornstein. So true. I was like, yes, that's me. And she was like, Hey, I, I've listened to the show. It, it got me through, um, grading. She's a, a teacher at, at, uh, what? Epic school stuff. Uh, she, she, she was, was, <laughs> um, or at the, Whatever she was, so she was like listening to the podcast helped me. I graded a lot of stuff, a lot of papers. Oh, awesome. stuff, so, well, so shout out Felicia. Felicia, hopefully, it gets you through the next thing that the other, the next mundane task that you have to do. And yeah. uh, that's awesome. We're glad. Yeah, we're coming on, coming up on episode fifty. We got to figure out what we're going to do to celebrate. Oh, the golden episode. That's the golden episode. All right. Well, this has been fun. We'll we'll talk about this more, and uh, next time we'll get Chris here. And uh, thanks for listening to the pod. We love you. All right. See you. Bye. Mm-hmm.